It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. It takes about seven seconds for somebody to make a a decision on you, whether they like you, whether they don't like you, to come up with some type of impression. Seven seconds for first impressions. That is not very much time, which to me freaks me out. But this all comes down to personal brands. We all have a personal brand. It says something about us, and hopefully it's saying good things about us. But the cool thing is that personal brands, while we think they're typically for businesses or corporations, they're not. They're for every single person in this world, and they are so important for crafting your rock star image. That's why I was so excited to chat with today's guest, Cami Fari. She's a rock star when it comes to all things personal branding and making your visual impression from an online perspective look as strong and as professional as possible and really reflect who the heck you are as a person. I really appreciate all of her advice and it's so good. I'm so excited to dive into that. But before we do it, I have to share a really incredible money win from you. This money win comes from Janelle. Janelle says 2019 was an awesome financial year and I owe some thanks to Whitney and the group for keeping me focused. $20,200 paid down in debt. Overall, $51,500 improved in net worth. Woohoo. I agree, Janelle. Hashtag money win. That is such a killer money win. The fact that you were able to pay down that much debt and increase your net worth by fifty over $50,000 is so impressive. And I'm so proud of you. I hope you're proud of yourself too. Guys, if you want to hang out with Janelle or myself or some other rock stars with money, then you need to be in the Manage Your Money Like a Boss community. It's a private Facebook group. It's free to join. It's a ton of fun. I have a rule in there that there's no jerks allowed. So if there's somebody that's a jerk or not very supportive or just like challenging and defensive and ugh, you know those people, you, we all know those people. They get booted. (laughs) I don't keep them in the group. I think we're all trying to work towards our financial goals and we don't need any negativity or any extra drama with this stuff. And so that's why it's such a good group. I'm really proud of it. And it's a really great community. Manage your money like a boss on Facebook. Hope you join. All right, let's dive into today's guest. Cami Fari is a web design expert on a mission to help real deal entrepreneurs like you swap out their outdated or barely their websites for a digital presence that reaps dazzling rewards and results. That's the cool thing about Cami. She's really focused on the results piece and keeping things very, very simple. That is something that we overcomplicate. Our websites can be 
I mean, I've heard of people like spending six months on getting a website up and going, and it doesn't need to be that way. Cami shows us how we can do that. Over the years, she's helped award-winning photographers, authors, speakers, coaches, consultants, and so many more. If you want to get started with Cami's free website strategy 101 training, it's seriously a good strategy training. I've gone through it myself and loved it. You can get that at simplesiteblueprint.com slash strategy. Okay, so let's talk about what you're going to learn in this episode. We go through Cammie's pivot from being a travel blogger to helping people build websites, how she stumbled upon this building website niche. We talk about how she priced her products when she first got started. If you are in business or you're uncomfortable with sales, you need to listen to that section for sure. We talk about the importance of a first impression of a website. Remember, Images and first impressions don't take very long. In an online world, it's even shorter than seven seconds sometimes. We talk about how to build an about page, Cami's view on personal branding, knowing what types of images to use to create a website. So if you're hiring a photographer to help you get some lifestyle images or some branding photos, it's really good to know this section of what Cami talks about, some good tips in there so that you can make the most out of your shoot. We talk about using your personality to help give you a professional edge, something that isn't always accepted or we don't think is accepted, but can actually help you in your career. Cami's favorite website building platform. This is a good one. It's simple. It's easy. And it's really inexpensive. You're going to love it. And then we start to wrap up this conversation with some really heartfelt advice for people that struggle with confidence in their self image. I know I've been there before too, where maybe I've gained five or 10 pounds. No, I definitely have. And it doesn't really make you feel like you're a attractive person or you feel confident or you're living your best life. So we talk about how you can start to struggle with that, but still not let that hold you back. It's really great advice. And I actually personally needed to hear that. So thank you, Cammie. I appreciate it. All right, guys, I am so excited for this episode. I think you're going to love it too. Share it with somebody that you know, if you think it can bring them value. And I am stoked to introduce you to my friend, Cammie Fari. Hey, if you've been listening to the show and you've been loving the content, loving the guests, and really appreciate all of the work that's happening in the Money Nerds community, then do me the biggest favor and leave a five-star review. If you leave a comment, it tells me exactly who's listening in, what you like and what you don't like, and all of that feedback means the world to me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, my friend, Cami. It is so good to hang out with you on the show officially. We've met in person once now, but I feel like I've known you forever. So thank you for taking the time to hang out. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we could do this. And yeah, we hung out last a couple of years ago in Boise, but I feel like since then, like we've seen each other online and it's been so fun to keep up. So it's great to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm super stoked because I've watched your business even in two years, it's evolved a lot. And I think that's so smart as an entrepreneur, you're constantly evolving and trying to figure out what's my next thing and how am I going to reach more people and help more people. But take us back. What got you into starting helping people with websites? Where did this all come from? Yeah. So these days I'll start at the beginning and then we can work backwards. So these days I am a designer, I'm a teacher, I'm a consultant. So I work with people one-on-one to build their websites. And I also teach people how to build their own websites and do some consulting around that as well. And the way I got into it, it was a little bit of a roundabout story. I'd been working in the art world in New York where I live. And I had one of those moments that I think so many of us have where I looked up the ladder and I thought, I've worked so hard to get here and a million people would kill for this job, but I don't want my boss's job and I don't want her boss's job and onwards and upwards. And I couldn't see the end 
you know, I couldn't see myself at the end of the road. And I thought, oh man, like, where does that leave me? And what am I going to do next? Because everything I've done up until this point has been leading me here. And if this is not what I want, what on earth is coming? Um, so I, I cast around, I was like, should I study for the GRE and apply to grad school? Should I switch industries and apply for a different job? Should I move states? I really like explored all the options. And eventually what I landed on was that I just wanted to take some time out. I'd been going nonstop since I was, you know, 18 and in high school. And I just wanted to take some time out to really think through these questions because I don't think that we get a framework in school to really understand this and figure out like, what is it that you do want to do? Um, so I decided to take four months off and I went traveling. Um, and luckily I had some savings from my job and from a couple of side hustles I was running during that time. I was bartending on weekends, even though I had a nine to five. Oh, doing wow. Some babysitting. Yeah. So I was actually really fortunate to have a bit of a cushion so that when I wanted to go traveling, I could make it happen. And in that process, I found the world of blogging and I was like, oh, travel blogging sounds so amazing. I bet I could do that. And I had to figure out how to design and build my own website and <laughs> got so found the process so frustrating. Yeah. It was incredibly hard. And I felt like that propelled me down this rabbit hole of like, well, I know I'm smart and I can figure this out. So I'm going to take coding classes and design classes and really dig in here. And by the time I came out the other side of it, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a travel blogger at all. I actually really love this design and coding stuff. Like, let me try experimenting with that. So that's the, it was a very windy path. It wasn't linear at all, but that's how it all started. That is incredible. So you thought you were going to be a travel blogger and decided, no, maybe not. Why did you decide maybe not? That sounds kind of like the dream job. It's, I realized it does look like the dream job on the outside, but I realized a couple of things about the industry, which is that the travel blogging business model means that you have to have a really large audience and a lot mm. of traffic. It's a very challenging business model to make work. And I'm so in awe of the people who do it well and really have like fueled their businesses that way. But for me, I could see that it was a very, very long game. Not, you know, it was just, it just didn't quite add up to me. And then I also thought, you know, a lot of what happens in that industry is you're getting freebies and exchanges, you're getting sponsored trips and things like that. And I thought, well, I could just earn money and then pay for those trips with money. <laughs> right. Imagine <laughs> that. I'd rather do that. I know. <laughs> Crazy. So then, okay, so how did it work? So you decided I like this design and every piece of that area. So how did you get your first client? What was that step like? Yeah, well, I came home from traveling and I had spent quite a bit of those savings that we talked about. And so I needed something and I needed something soon. And so I picked up some side hustles and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to just see what happens until I can get my coding skills up to scratch. I think I might go to a development boot camp. Um, you know, I was thinking along those lines. And so I really started just working the connections I already had. I happened to know through my personal networks, a lot of artists and actors here in the city. And so I thought, you know what? I can definitely help these guys. I'm going to be a web designer for actors. So I literally started, I wrote down a list of everybody I knew and I literally reached out to each single person individually. And I said, Hey, I'm a web designer for actors now. Do you know anybody who would be interested in this? Or do you need help with this? 
or is this something that you thought about? Let's talk. And so through that, like boots on the ground, um, reach out. That's how I got my very first client who actually happened to be my boyfriend's aunt. What? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. So when you were reaching out to people, it's almost essentially cold calling, so to speak. Was that scary for you? It, it was a little bit because I felt, not because I felt nervous about talking to people, because most of the people I was reaching out to, I knew personally, we'd had, we'd met at parties, you know, we'd interacted. So that wasn't what was scary. But what did feel scary was saying, hey, I'm a web designer now. I can help you with this. Because it was a skill that I was very much still learning. And I knew lots more than the people I was reaching out to, but I still was in that space of like, well, who am I to be doing this? And is this really something I can do? Um, But yeah, I just, I think it was partly the, you know, like when you need to make something happen and you need to make it happen quickly because there's, there's no money coming in from anywhere else. (laughs) And like you have rent to pay and you know, all of that stuff. I feel like that really focuses your priorities. So I was like, yeah, I might be nervous, but that's much less important than my rent due next month. Totally. Totally the case. I think that, yeah, when you're pushed into a wall, hopefully you fight back pretty hard and it sounds like you did. So with the website, your first one, did you do it for super discounted to get the experience or how did you charge for that? Oh my goodness. It was a crazy experience because I had been in my corporate world, corporate life, I'd been working in the art world where I was exposed to quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars in artwork, donations, sales, every single day. Like we're talking big, big numbers in a very kind of high end sector. Mm -hmm. But I personally had never sold anything in my whole entire life. Like I'd never had a Girl Scout cookie stand, nothing. And so my first web design client was the first time I'd sold anything. And I was like sweating bullets. And (laughs) I had read, oh man, Whitney, I had read every article on the internet about like pricing, charging your worth, (laughs) all of this stuff. And so I was on the, I was on Zoom to her. I remember, um, and I was like, okay, can you just charge your worth, charge your worth? And I pulled out of the thin air the biggest, ballsiest number I could think of. And it was $525. No! <laughs> no! Which is, which is very, very low. Yes, too low. But I hear yeah. you. You have to build up your confidence and your experience. And sometimes that is where we start. And then hopefully we evolve out of that. And one of the things that I think is so interesting, so this was for an actress. So she was in the the industry trying to build up her own brand as an actress. But one of the things I see so many people forget about is that all of this branding stuff, it's not just for business people or entrepreneurs or even actresses or actors. It's for everyday people too. So how do you, how do you view a website? What, how do you view that from your lens? Yeah. So the way I think about it is your website is when you do it right, it is your 24 seven best salesperson, best representation of you, who you are and what you do, what you're about. It never gets sick. It never takes a vacation and it gives you this opportunity to control your own Google results. So if you're a person, you know, looking for jobs, say, and your employer is Googling you, They could come up with your LinkedIn profile, your Facebook profile, a couple of random articles that you wrote in college, this grab bag of things, and they could form their own conclusions about you. Or if you've taken the time to curate 
your presence through a personal website, that's going to rank at the top of Google and they're going to go there first because people don't have infinite amounts of time. So if you've taken the time to figure out what you'd like your public persona to be, it's this really quick and easy way to connect with the people who are looking for you and also to shape and control that conversation in a way that I think is incredibly useful. I think that's helpful to hear because so many times we hear, well, can't I just use LinkedIn? If I'm looking for jobs, I can just throw all my information there. But there's a lot of problems with that. It's a social media site at the end of the day. And we all know they don't last forever. I mean, we hope it does, but we have no clue and it'll likely go away eventually. So I think it's smart to think that way. But when you're thinking through your own personal website, where do we even start, Cammy? Like what kind of, like what do we even put on our website? Are we putting blog posts, videos? Like where do we even begin? Yeah, well, I like to start by thinking about what's the point of this website? Why do you even want a website in the first place? Like nobody, not even me, and I love tech and design. I don't want a pile of code and pixels on the internet, right? I want a website that's going to help me attract my ideal clients and grow my business and enable me to live the kind of life that I want to live. So for the people listening and, you know, thinking about these things, think about like, why do you want this? Why is this important to you? And then why is that important to you? You know, go a layer deeper. So if you want this website to help you book more clients, or you want this website to help you start your side hustle or attract, you know, employers, why is that thing important to you? Why do you want to attract those people? So starting with that will give you a solid base. And then you can think about what's the most important thing that a visitor to this website could do here to help me get to that thing that I want at the end of the day. So I'll give you an example from my own, my own website. Um, my one-on-one -on -one clients hire me by booking a consult call. And that's the way that we connect. That's the way I ultimately get paid. And so the main goal of my site is to have a visitor come there and then contact me by booking a call. So really everything is engineered on that site to guide people towards that action. So for others that might be downloading a resume or signing up for your email list or filling out your contact form um, or connecting with you on a different platform. But whatever it is, you want to make sure that that action is helping you get towards what you most want. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So for somebody that's very new to websites, I know what you're talking about, but paint the picture. So when we go to yourname.com, what what should we be seeing? Let's say it's optimized for getting a job. How would you, what would you visually see when you go to that website? Yeah. So you'd visually see on a website, there's research out there to show that you have about 50 milliseconds to get somebody's attention. Yeah. And in that 50 milliseconds, they'll form a snap judgment about you, whether or not they like you, whether or not they trust you. So that first impression is really important. So when you go to a website, often the first thing you see is a homepage and you'll see the section of the homepage that we call the above the fold area. And that just means the section that you see before you have to do any scrolling. So typically in that section, what you're going to see is an image of the person, like a well-lit, professional, compelling image, and a little bit of text that's like your elevator pitch that summarizes very quickly who you are, what you do, and why the person reading this text should care about it. So that's your first thing that you want. You want that kind of first impression. And then if you scroll further down, you often see it followed up with some text that elaborates on that that says, you know, 
I'm this kind of person and I do this for this audience to help them achieve this. And here are three ways that we can work together. Or mm. here are three articles that I've written about this topic where you can learn more about, you know, you can get my perspective and my point of view on this. Or I'm this kind of person and I'm looking for this kind of job. And here's where you can download my resume and here's where we can connect. So smart. So I like the, that's the piece that's missing. Actually, I'm thinking through my own website. I'm like, oh no, like, I'm thinking through this and I know I'm missing a few things, but it's that very clear call to action of, hey, if you're looking for this type of employee and maybe you're trying to reposition yourself from an accounting job into marketing, you have to paint that picture of why you are the right person. And you can do that by those three ways. Here's what my accounting experience taught me and why it's so great for whatever position. I think that's really, really smart. And then the next piece is the about page. This is where I see so many people get stumped on what the heck should we actually put on our about page? Any suggestions? Yeah, the about page is such a toughie. It's so challenging to write about ourselves. So the way I like to think about this page is no matter who you are, whether you're an entrepreneur or a side hustler or you're an employee, on some level, you are selling something to somebody. You're selling yourself and your skills and your expertise, or you're selling your products and services. But it's on some level, like you need to persuade somebody that you're the right person to do this. And so on your about page, I like to start off by thinking about who's going to be reading this page and what do they need to see and hear and read from me to understand that I'm a good fit for this job. So I start out, I like to start out on the about page by kind of discussing some of the problems that that person might be facing. Um, so if you are, you know, a yoga teacher teaching people who have, you know, are recovering from injuries, you might start out your about page by saying something like, you know, it's been so frustrating for you trying to recover from this injury. You feel like it's slow going. You feel like your pain medicine isn't helping and you're really looking for a different way to do things. So you start out by talking about the other person and then you can kind of position yourself as the solution. So you can say, well, through, you know, like, hey, I'm Alice, I'm a yoga teacher and I specialize in alleviating pain from injuries. And my experience working with clients has been this and I help people do this. Mm -hmm. And here are some of my qualifications. And then if that sounds interesting to you and you want to get started working together, here's how you do that. So that's the way I think about an about page. I love how clear and simple it is. And I, I see a lot of times we complicate everything when it comes to online presence, but you're breaking it down in a way that's very, very linear. Like you want this, I have this, click here to do this. Like it's really, truly painted out that well. What do you do when, this is more of an entrepreneurial question. I've always been curious about this too. How do you approach it when you have multiple offerings? So where you have a course, simple site blueprint, and then you also have one-on-one -on -one consulting, how do you navigate that personally? Yeah. So that's something I see all the time. Like you said, I have it myself. I've got my online course, Simple Site Blueprint. I have my client offerings and I get hired for those things in different ways and they need different things. And I see it a lot as well with people like photographers who mm. do sessions for, they like might shoot family shots for individual clients, but they might also have mentorship programs for other photographers. Yeah. Um, and then I also see it 
in a way where people just are very multi-passionate and have lots of different interests. So they might be, you know, freelancing as a copywriter, but they might also like to renovate tiny homes. Cool. So there are a few ways you can think about this. So if the common denominator here is you, so for example, that photographer who is shooting family shots and also mentoring other photographers, those two things make sense under the same umbrella. She's the link here. You know, that photographer is the common denominator. So on your website, you can do things in terms of layout and design to say, if you're this kind of person, I want you to click here and come through this doorway. And if you're this kind of person, come here and click through this doorway. And then you can show people people specifically things that relate to them. So on one side, you might have information about your family photography sessions. On the other side, you might have info about your mentorship sessions. Got it. Typically, one is more important than the other. So if we've got multiple streams of revenue like that, usually one is bringing in more money, one's more popular, one's more important to us. So in that case, I would make that the main focus and have the other kind of running in the background. Mm -hmm. And then in the case of where things are really separate, like the copywriter who also renovates tiny homes, those two things would need to live on different websites unless she was copywriting for people who are running their businesses from their tiny homes. Fair. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. That makes yeah. perfect sense. I've always, yeah, that's always such a tricky one of even prioritizing and what's most important. So I appreciate that input. That's interesting. Um, for personal branding, I know that we're talking a lot about your online appearance. This is one of the things that, I don't know if I've told you this, but I respect the heck out of you because you are also building your personal brand outside of the online world. So when you view personal branding, how do you view that? What does that mean to you? To me, it means just taking the best bits of who you are and the things that you are naturally good at, the things that you find fun and you find easy and that fill you with enthusiasm and taking those things and just amplifying them, whether that's through the projects you take on or through the kind of content you share on social media or how you show up to a conference and what you wear to a conference. You know, it's just about focusing in on those strengths rather than trying to like correct for any weaknesses, which I think is always a losing idea. Totally. You know, like I feel bad. <laughs> makes you feel terrible. Like I've never, I've never been a huge math person. I moved around a lot as a kid and my math classes were all over the place. And so for me, like I could spend ages and ages trying to learn maths or I could focus on what I'm great at and that's what I've chosen to do instead. And I feel like that's the core of personal branding. It's just about figuring out what those things are for you and then running with it and sharing it with others and just showing up as yourself and sharing your point of view and your perspective. And it's really it's really as simple as that. It's not as complicated or as scary as it seems. I love too that you mentioned conferences and even like what you wear. Tell us your strategy. I know you've got like a very specific strategy when you go to conferences of how you can stand out visually. How do, what do you do? Yeah, well, I'm actually really introverted. I, you know, I love people, but I need a lot of alone time and I get a lot of my energy from myself. So my hack for conferences is I'll show up wearing a really bright, bold color, like 
a cold, like a bright cobalt blue suit or red lipstick or something really eye-catching because I find that it makes you memorable. It makes people curious about you and people will approach you and strike up conversations in a way that doesn't happen if I'm wearing something that's like all black or all gray or really blending into the background. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing online as well. Like you've seen a lot of my brand photos are quite full of bright colors and they're quite eye-catching and it has the same effect because, you know, whether we like it or not, we do, we do make snap judgments based on people's appearances, based on book covers, based on that visual information, you know, like when I shared with you that you've got 50 milliseconds to get someone's attention on your website, that's not really enough time to read a lot of text. That's happening at a very like reptile brain level. That's happening based quite a lot on your visuals. So I think paying attention to that visual presentation, whether you're in person or you're on the internet is important. I love it too. And just to like personal brand this even further, after I heard you talk to me about that, how you always have this like signature blue blazer that you're constantly wearing or something that's a really eye-catching color. I've taken that into my own life too. And so mine is always pops of red. So whenever Mm -hmm. I go to a conference, I will wear something bright red because I notice that it catches your attention. It really does. And other people are much more likely to talk with you if they have something to talk about. So I think it's a really killer tip. And I love the online piece too. Let's talk well, yeah, about- cause they, they intersect, right? So like you're wearing, I, when I think of bright pots of red, I do think of you and I think of your brand photos and your social media where you've got that color. And so then when I see you in person at a conference wearing that color, I've got this little thing in my brain where I'm like, huh, I feel like I know her from somewhere. How do I know her? And yes. it's because I'm kind of connecting those dots in my mind, whether I know it or not. I love it. So in, in everyday life, do you actually wear that color often? Yeah, I actually do. I wear That's a lot awesome. of color. <laughs> I know I live in New York. People wear all black all the time and I'm the person on the train in like a red jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. So for personal brands, I know headshots and photography is super important and it's also very scary for a lot of people too. Do you feel like, does everybody need to have a photo shoot where we have some pictures, even if we're not trying to start a business? Is that important? I think it's really important. And I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, often the headshot photography out there, particularly on like LinkedIn is really corporate and it's really stuffy. And I know that, you know, you're multifaceted and, you know, the person listening to this is multifaceted and you're not that like stuffy buttoned up person in a suit, even if that's what your corporate headshot presents. So thinking about yourself as a personal brand gives you a little bit more creative wiggle room to be yourself. And then having professional photos taken, you don't have to have some like big crazy shoot and like be a model, but just having a few high quality images convey the impression that like this person is an expert, they know what they're talking about they are going to be delivering a high quality product to me, like whether that's an actual product or whether that's a pitch or a presentation, it just builds this trust, especially in a world where a lot of people's first interactions with you are going to be on the internet. It's so important to have that piece of things be good quality and it doesn't have to be expensive or particularly involved. It's surprisingly simple to do. 
With the photos, I know you and I have chatted on Instagram that I want you to create this, and I still hope you do, a checklist of here's the types of photos you should take for building your personal brand. I, I suspect it kind of depends on your personality and your brand, but are there like a few go-to shots that you think everybody should have? Is it the typical headshot or what are the different options that you think everybody should at least pursue? I love this question. And it's actually something that I teach in my course, Simple Site Blueprint. And it's one of everyone's favorite modules because it's so juicy. Um, but broadly, I think about a couple different things. I think about layout. So where are these images going to be used? Because if we think about a website, a website is horizontal and there's often text next to the image. Whereas if we think about a traditional photograph or a traditional headshot, it's often portrait. It's often cropped quite close to somebody's face, so there's not room for text next to it. Mm -hmm. So I like to think about where is this thing gonna live? You know, is it gonna be featured in a brochure for a conference with all the speakers? Or does it need to live on your website? Or do we need a combination of both? So thinking about the kinds of shots from a kind of composition perspective that you might need. And then I think about shots in a few categories. So think about having, um, it's very useful to have a studio shot. So maybe you have a white background behind you or a neutral background and it's just you and it's really clean and simple. That's a very versatile image. You'll get a of mileage out of that. And then if you want to warm things up a little bit, you can bring in more kind of lifestyle images. So I like to think about like, what do you just do in your everyday routine or what do you do for your work? So maybe that's, you know, you're at your laptop or you're journaling or you're meeting with a client or you're writing words on a whiteboard because you're doing teaching and thinking about maybe two to three of those things that you could photograph that will help inject some life and some personality into your images and really build that whole like visual story. That's so smart. And with those images too, like let's say hypothetically, I'm somebody that's trying to get a new job and I'm trying to portray this image of who I am as a person. Maybe I'm a little bit more playful so I could bring in some brighter colors and some lightness there. But would you, would okay, so if, if the person that's looking for a new job loves hiking hypothetically would you do some lifestyle pictures of them hiking like how how far down this rabbit hole do we actually go when it comes to the pictures yeah i think you can do you can do as much or as little as you want on this but i think that some of those shots like if hiking is a huge part of your life like let's say you're a trail runner and one of your big accomplishments is that you run 100 mile races in the mountains like absolutely having some photographs of that and having a little bit of context around that on your website saying you know i run 100 mile races and I train really hard and this is a super passion of mine and here are some images of that is amazing because who you are as a person is a selling point to your employer is a selling point to your clients you know we don't want like people these days do not want one-dimensional robots who can like sit there and plug in numbers into an Excel sheet. We want people who have interests outside of work and we love seeing those kind of soft skills. And I know a lot of people look for it. So yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea, Whitney. True. And I love to, because I'm, I'm immediately thinking when you said hundred mile races, I'm painting a picture of who I think that person might be. Somebody that can run a hundred miles has a lot of discipline. They have a lot of focus. They have a lot of resiliency. resiliency. And so I'm painting this picture and immediately if I'm hiring somebody, I'm going to see that and connect those dots as well. And so yeah. it's such a small thing, but I think you're right. It goes a long way. 
Yeah, particularly like if you were applying for a job in a leadership role and maybe it's a jump for you and you don't quite have the quote unquote career experience yet, you're looking to leap up a couple levels, but you're this person who runs and trains for hundred mile races, like there's something that you can leverage to show yourself as a leader, show your discipline um, and get you to that next level. How, how do you view blog posts and video on personal websites for somebody that's not an entrepreneur? Do you feel like they have a place or would you leave those off? I think that really depends on what the person's trying to accomplish. So if they are blogging in their industry, if they have a really strong point of view about what's going on, then absolutely include blog and video content. Show that you're keeping up with your industry, show that you're plugged in, that you have a perspective on this. But if what you really want to blog about is your hobby um, collecting stamps or puzzles or whatever it is, <laughs> then that might belong on a separate website. Like do it just for fun. But if it's somehow connected or you can connect it to what you're trying to achieve with your personal brand, then go for it. Oh, I love it. Okay. I also know you have very strong opinions. I've sat through actually one of your trainings and it was awesome. so good. So, so good. I loved it. I learned a lot and took a ton of notes, but one of the things that you talked about was the different platforms. And I know that's very confusing, but you have a very good answer for that. How do you view the different platforms for hosting your website? And where do you suggest people start if they're not trying to build a big, huge business online? Yeah, this is such a good question because tech is the most overwhelming piece of the puzzle. It's the one thing I hear all the time from my clients and students, but it's actually a very simple, very solvable thing. So I recommend that people start with Squarespace, which is what I personally use and it's what I teach. And that's because it's a really intuitive, really user-friendly platform. But at the same time, it's got professional award-winning design that'll help you nail that first impression. It'll help you nail those 50 milliseconds. And so it's a really lovely blend of both professional and polished and very beginner friendly. And then it's also what I like to say, it's empire equipped. So I know people who are running gorgeous sites on Squarespace who are, you know, people who work in corporate or people who aren't entrepreneurs. And I also know entrepreneurs who are running multi-million dollar businesses off their Squarespace sites. So it can go to those levels in a way that some of the other DIY website platforms out there can't. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for somewhere to start, that's where to do it. And it's not that expensive either, right? No, it's really inexpensive. It's, I believe, $12 a month to get started. And that includes your hosting. That includes all tech maintenance and updates, customer service, security, just every, it's all in one. It's like, you know, when you get an Apple product, like an iPhone and you turn it on and out the box, it just goes like, bing, and everything just works. And it's so beautiful. It's like that. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. <laughs> it's yeah. like a new Apple product. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Where does it, where is Squarespace lacking? So at what point would you say, no, you should go to WordPress or Wix or something else? Is there kind of a, mm. a line there? Yeah. So I typically say Squarespace is amazing for personal brands, for service-based businesses. So people who are working with clients, for people who are selling digital products, like online courses, it can be really great. And for people who have small e-commerce stores, it's also great. It has e-commerce functionality. 
But if the main way that you earn money is through physical products, like let's say you're Lululemon and you're selling leggings and selling tank tops, then you're going to want to look at something like Shopify, which is the leading e-commerce platform out there. And then if you, if the main way that you earn money is through a lot of content, like you are Mind Body Green or you're the New York Times or, you know, you're Reality Steve, who I love. I'm obsessed with reality TV. <laughs> and Reality Steve, his business model is he blogs and he has a ton of ads on his blogs and all of that. So if that's you, you're going to want to look at WordPress instead. Got it. So does Squarespace not allow you to do ads? They allow you to do, you can, but you have less control over it than you would on a WordPress site. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I always wondered about that. I'm with WordPress right now, but I do have an advertiser. I'm affiliated with Mediavine. Mm -hmm. So I've always been curious. I'm like, does that actually work with Squarespace or do you have to stick with WordPress? I can't really remember. I mean, one of the biggest perks in my mind is something that I think we don't talk about enough in this industry, which is I see a lot of people getting into hot water on WordPress because they just don't know what they don't know. And when you have a WordPress site, you are responsible for everything, including your own security and your own backups and all of that. And so unfortunately, I have quite a lot of people come to me being like, my site got hacked. What do I do about it? Which, yeah, happened to you, right? Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, which is, is a whole a whole can of worms um, that you don't have to worry about on Squarespace. Which is so, so nice. Okay. So Squarespace is a good way to go. I know a lot of people go to Wix as well. Do you have any opinions on that platform? Yeah, personally, I don't love Wix or Weebly. Um, They're very much DIY platforms and they're fine for that. But I find that you run into the limitations of them quite quickly. And from my perspective as a designer, the design isn't as polished as it is on Squarespace. Got it. Okay. And you said it's, is it 5050 milliseconds or 15? 5050. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking like nothing. Like nothing. And I I feel like that's like monopoly money to me. Like I can't even conceptualize in my brain <laughs> what 50 milliseconds is like, but it's quick. <laughs> I feel like that's even less time than a traditional resume. I feel like they say for a traditional resume, it's like three seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. is nuts. Okay. So we've talked about building a website. We've talked a little bit about personal branding. Are there any topics that we didn't cover that you feel like would be important to at least note for this episode? Yeah. Well, I think um, one thing that comes up quite often is my clients are, and I've experienced this myself. So the idea of being visible on the internet can be really scary. So scary. So scary. You're like, you want me to do what? You want me to put myself (laughs) out there, my name, my picture, my experience? Like, are you kidding me? What if people see this and judge me? What if they think I'm not good enough? What if they don't like me? All of these hesitations come up. And so if, if that's you and that's what you are experiencing right now or thinking, like, I want you to know that that is the most normal thing in the world. And everybody, everybody goes through it. That's so good to hear. Yeah. You can't hide behind that, especially if you're trying to create a personal brand and get really amazing kick-ass jobs that you can't normally get or build an amazing business. You have to be visible and that is uncomfortable, but it does get easier. Let's talk. I didn't expect the conversation to go here, but I think it's important. Um, I notice a lot of females specifically get very intimidated about the idea of even having a photo shoot because of the way they look or the way they feel. A lot of it comes down to our own self-worth 
and mm-hmm. we feel so terrible about ourselves that we don't want to. So we just would rather use a picture that's 20 years old, even though that no longer looks like us. Do you have any tips or advice for that person? I know they're out there. Um, yeah, they definitely are. And quite a lot of my students are in the same boat. And it's interesting from my perspective, because I've had this myself. And I hear all sorts from people like I'm, I feel too old, I feel too young. I've lost weight, and I don't like it. I've gained weight, and I don't like it. So there truly is no such thing as the perfect place to be for this. It's so individual to each person. Um, but the way that I like to look at it is, you go out of your house all the time and you talk to people and you make connections and you hang out with your friends and people love seeing you and they love hearing from you in person. And you as yourself, as a human are good enough exactly the way you are. And it's just the same when you're putting yourself out there on the internet, it's just digital instead of physical. So if you are, you know, if you are comfortable enough to leave your house and go have a coffee with a friend and you feel good enough as you are doing that, you're good enough as you are to put a photo of yourself up on your website because the people who need to see you and need to connect with you will connect with that. Um, I'll share a story about one of my students. So she's a web designer. She went to design school in her forties. It's second career for her. She's so cool. And she was having some hesitations around having a photo shoot because she was feeling like I look around the internet and all I see is these like young 20 somethings killing it, all these girl bosses. And I'm not that I'm quite a lot older. Uh, I wear glasses now. My weight has changed. Um, but the thing is, is that she, there's a whole world of women who are just like her, who are just as ambitious, just as entrepreneurial, just as driven, who aren't 20 somethings and need to see somebody like her out there doing it and running a business. And the second she put herself out there, people started connecting with just who she naturally was. And I think that that's a really beautiful process. That is so big. I love that you shared that story. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. This has been a really great conversation. I know for everybody listening in, it's so important to build up your personal brand, but I think Cami does a much better job of illustrating why that's the case. So Cami, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It was my pleasure, Whitney. Are you down for some rapid fire questions before we officially part ways? Yeah, let's go. Let's get into it. All right. These are always so entertaining to me. All right, Cammie, tell us one purchase that you've recently made that has made your life better. I bought this amazing daylight alarm clock. So it like gradually gets brighter about a half an hour before I'm supposed to wake up. And it also dims at night and it's incredible. Really? Have you found it to help so far? Wildly helpful. Yeah. Interesting. What brand is it? I've got to know specifics. It's Philips. It's like a little round clock. It looks like um, my boyfriend calls it the Eva because it looks like that robot from (laughs) Wally. It's like really sleek and white. It's very pretty. And yeah, half an hour before you're meant to wake up, it'll gradually start getting lighter. And then when your alarm goes off, it's like chirping little birds in sunshine. It's wonderful. That's amazing. That sounds so good. I'm going to have to put that on my Amazon list. Okay. Next question for you. What is your current morning routine? I get up, I pop the kettle on to make a coffee. I will burn some Palo Santo because I love the smell of it. It's this wood and it just smells so good. So I burn some of that and then I'll sit down with my little French press coffee pot. I'll do a little bit of journaling. And by the time I'm done journaling, my coffee's ready. So I'll pop the French press down, pour my coffee, and then I feel like I'm ready to go for the day. 
you are a rock star. So what is it that you're burning? Is it incense or a candle? It's this wood. So it's um, this little wooden stick. It's called Palo Santo and it smells like it's a little bit of a pine smell. It's also a little bit minty. It's a little bit smoky and woody and it's meant to have kind of the same effect as sage. It's meant to be kind of like a cleansing smoke. Um, But I just love the way it smells. I think it smells great. That is so good to know. I'm going to check into that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you are a traveler. So where is one location you're dying to travel to? I'm dying to go to New Zealand. I think it looks like the most stunning country. I agree. I think it does as well. Okay. Last question for you before we officially wrap up. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Ooh, that is a really good question. I think the secret to financial success is being willing to ask for what you want and put yourself out there and ask directly. Ooh, that's so good, Cammie. I love it. What a fun way to wrap up. Tell us where to go find your course and to get our hands on it so we can actually demystify this really crazy, complicated process. Awesome. So I have a free training at my website, simplesiteblueprint.com. It's called Website Strategy 101, and it's a free training that will show you exactly where you need to get started on your website, whether you don't have one at all, or you have one already, but you know it could be better. This is the starting point. So you can go grab that at simplesiteblueprint.com. You'll just pop in your email, let me know where to send it, and I'll have it off to you. Love it. Cami. thank you again for your time. It was truly a pleasure chatting with you more and hearing your tips for building up our own personal brand. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Okay. What'd you think? I love this episode with Cami. First and foremost, I gotta love British accents. My God, I, I wish some days I had an accent myself. Wouldn't that be nice? But I don't. So you guys get me with all my American Idaho accent. But still, the content that she shared was so incredible. The piece that I thought was really helpful was the about page. That's the section where we tend to overlook that. In fact, I need to recreate my about page after listening to this episode again. I am definitely struggling there. But that was what really stood out to me. And I'd love to hear what stood out to you. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co and tell me what stood out to you about this episode. Take a screenshot of it. Let me know you're listening and leave me a little comment about what was really impactful for you. All right, guys, that's it for today. I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.